I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. And joining me today is John Schlimm. He's the author of What Would Gen Z Do? Everything You Don't Know About Gen Z But Should. Generation Z live in the tug of war between unprecedented courage and openness unlike the world has ever seen versus the shadows of unyielding stress, pressures, and judgment. They exist and persevere amidst a battle of public personas and private truths while being objectified as stereotypes and commodities. International award-winning author, John Shim shares 52 impactful sights, revelations, and pleasant surprises that Gen Z has told him they want the world to know about them. His goal is to help all those who live and work with Gen Zers to develop a better understanding of these young people and to forge healthier and more productive relationships with them. He's the creator of uh, such public art projects as the Gen Z Time Capsule, which was in collaboration with the Andy Warhol Museum. He's appeared on such national media outlets as the Ellen DeGeneres Show, Hallmark Channel's Home and Family, Bravo, uh, NPR, and more. Welcome to the show, John. Nice to have you on today. Hey, Catherine. It is so great to be with you, and we're going to have so much fun with this conversation. We are having, we are going to have fun with the conversation. And the, but the first thing I have to, I'm going to challenge you because Gen Z, I assume, uh, is what, 25 to 38? Is that the age category? No, Gen Zers are actually uh, ages 10 to 25. Uh, so, yeah, this is an extraordinary moment uh, for this generation because they span elementary school to the first years in the workforce. Okay, so the 25, maybe it's the the 25-year-olds that I have had the most contact with. And this is my, maybe it's a challenge to you. I think one of the major issues with that 20 to 25-year-old Gen Zers are that their communication skills. I have a lot of difficulty communicating with them. They are very used to, obviously, being on their cell phones, being on the internet, and they lack communication skills, and I have examples, but I'm just going to start with that So, because I want you to kind of address that issue. Well, I think when it comes to issues like uh, their communication skills uh, and, and other things, I, I really think it's about sitting down with these Gen Zers and specifically the ones that you're talking about and have that conversation with them. You know, start from a place of, you know, trying to better understand, well, why are your communication skills like they are. And I, I know, you know, for a lot of people, uh, you know, they will try to approach Gen Zers and Gen Zers are a little hesitant to talk to them uh, or to carry on conversations. And what I've learned is a lot of Gen Zers have social anxiety and they'll be very open when you ask them about that, that they have social anxiety. And what that has really taught me is maybe I need to be the first person to approach them. And to ask them the questions, you know, because my number one piece of advice when it comes to Zers is if you want to know something, ask them. So I think you pose a really interesting question. I think that, you know, especially employers, uh, as well as, you know, at the college level, uh, professors are encountering some of the things you're talking about. But I wonder how many are actually sitting down with these young people and exploring why that's the case. Let's talk about why is that the case? Why do they have this social 
anxiety, where is it coming from, so that we can better understand where they, where they are coming from. Well, I think there are many reasons why they have the social anxiety that they have, uh, but a few things that I have learned from them, uh, you know, early on, I would uh, often compliment my students um, on different achievements that they'd have, especially when they would be talking about achievements. Uh, and I taught at the college level, so they might have talked about winning the state championship in high school or perhaps having a poem published or whatever that was. Uh, and I would congratulate them. And I noticed that they were really hesitant to accept that compliment. Um, they, they seemed very uh, uh, almost closed off to that. And at first I thought, oh, this is just modesty, which I do think Gen Zers by and large are a very modest generation. But after about, you know, a dozen times of this happening, I finally said, okay, you guys, what is the deal? Every time I try to give you a compliment, you, you don't really take that compliment. And they said, John, one of the reasons is because when we were coming up, when we were being, when we were younger, we were part of the everybody gets a ribbon generation. Everybody gets the trophy. Everybody is a winner. And, you know, even when we would win, we were basically told you can't celebrate that because you're going to make someone else feel bad. And so all these years later, this is how that has played out. They're now very hesitant to take that compliment. But when I've also, you know, questioned them about their social anxiety, because I, I myself um, learned via them that I, I think part of my anxiety is also social anxiety, because that's a term I had never heard until I crossed paths with Gen Zers. Uh, they also told me that because of, you know, the divisive nature of our society right now in terms of people being canceled and being banned uh, for saying the wrong thing, that they, in many cases, are afraid to speak up because they're afraid they might say the wrong thing and they might offend someone or hurt someone's feelings. And, you know, that's just really unfortunate but we're now starting to see those side effects uh, play out in this generation. Well, it's interesting you say that because I was always one of those uh, persons, I'm a social worker, but critiquing, and I, when my kids were in school, that same kind of attitude where everybody wins is not a good thing. It's not realistic. It's not the real world. It doesn't prepare you for the real world. And that's exactly, I guess, what you're finding with, with these Gen Zers that, that you that you teach and that you've uh, written the book about. So, yeah, I think it's a real issue. So and what would you say then? We have to take a look at what elementary schools and we have to change those kinds of policies. I mean, or uh, curriculum, I would say, uh, do things differently. There are winners, there are losers. That's okay. Yeah, I think we have to understand that there is actually great value in both winning and losing. And oftentimes there's even more value in learning how to lose, right? And I, you know, like you, when, when that whole concept of everybody gets the ribbon, everybody gets the trophy started cropping up, you know, as an educator, it was on my radar, you know, back in, you know, the late 90s, early 2000s. And it was like, oh, I wonder how this is going to play out in the long run. And now we're seeing it. So when, you know, my students and then Gen Zers across the country, because, I, you know, I, I tried to take what I was hearing from my students in my classroom. And then as I would travel across the country and sit down with Gen Zers, 
you know, I would ask them a lot of the same questions because I wanted to know, am I going to hear the same things? And I really did across the board. I heard the same things. And, you know, the question about the everybody gets a ribbon generation wouldn't even be out of my mouth. And the Zers were nodding. They just they just got it and they understood. So it's like, okay, now we're seeing the the impact of that. And which was good for me to know, because then I could talk about that it's okay to be proud of your achievements and to celebrate those achievements. And it's okay to actually be proud of losing because you can look at what did you learn? How did you grow from that experience? And the thing is, what I love about the Zers is even though they might not verbally communicate these things all the time, deep down, they're understanding a lot of it. Because early on, what I realized about these 17, 18, and 19-year-olds that I was first encountering is not only had they already gone through some really horrific things in their lives, much like all the rest of us have, but by ages 17, 18, 19, they already understood that they needed to take those experiences, see what they could learn from them, and use them to make themselves stronger people. And that was so mind-blowing for me. I'm like, you guys, it took me over four decades to realize I could take the challenges and the bad things that have happened and turn them into strength. You already understand that. So even though the side effect of that everybody gets a ribbon generation has impacted them, I think ultimately they will blow right past that. Yeah. I, I, that's good to hear because, you know, you, when you talk to people who, not now you can't talk to them, but Steve Jobs or you read the autobiographies or biographies of these very, these people who have been so successful, they always say that the thing that helped them the most or helped motivate them the most was their failures, not their successes. And then, and sort of validating what you have, to, what you just said, that's what really gets you going and taking a look at perhaps what are the opportunities here? What didn't I see? What did I see? And that's more valuable than everybody winning or even an individual winning all the time. 100%. And, you know, one of the absolute superpowers of Generation Z is the way they are taking those really bad things and turning them into strength turning them into something that propels them forward. You know, when I sit down with Gen Zers and they, in, within a group, so it's not even necessarily always one-on-one, but it can be in a group, and they're talking about previous suicide attempts and what that journey was like for them and how they've come out on the other end or they're still traversing that journey. Or they'll talk about uh, enduring a rape or abuse or surviving cancer or some other disease. They talk about these things, and you have to remind yourself, actually, or at least I do, that, oh, my gosh, these, these are like teenagers or even younger sitting in front of me sharing these incredible stories. And I'm like, this is your superpower. This is the gift you're already giving the rest of us because you're empowering the rest of us to better understand who we are, and you're empowering us to speak our truths more openly and so they are leading us in so many ways uh, that it's really quite incredible. So, in other words, what you're saying is they're not reluctant at all to talk about the, the tough stuff. They don't hide that stuff. They don't repress it or suppress it. Or uh, they, they'll talk about 
their su- if they had, you know, suicide and depression and drugs and alcohol, and they're open about it. Um, that's good to hear because then it, once you do that, then you're able to do something about it. It's, you know, the, I don't know if it was the next generation that, what's the generation above them, the millennials? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, and that's a different, <laughs> that's a different can of worms, I guess. But what do the, what do the Gen Zers have to say about the other generation, your generation? What did you say? Uh, you know, what generation are you? So I'm Gen X and there was this amazing light bulb moment for me a few years ago in the classroom. You know, I would hear my students, my Gen Z students, Often, often talking about their parents. And look, there are amazing parents out there. I know a lot of these amazing parents. I'm sure you do as well. Uh, and so kudos to them, and I hope they keep rocking on. But I would also hear my students talking about the not-so-great parents. And I would hear terms like closed-minded, judgmental, homophobic, uh, you know, you name it. And all of a sudden it hit me that their parents are Gen Xers. So for the first time in my career as an educator, I'm like, oh, if I had kids, which I don't, but if I had kids, they'd be this age. So what that helped me to understand is, oh, their parents are Gen Xers. So I I get where your parents are coming from to a degree. Uh, so I was able to sit down with the Zers and I was able to say, okay, now that I better, now that you've opened, you've, you've not only given me a front row seat to your generation, but you've now opened a window back into my own. And I can look at just what issues we're now still dealing with in our 40s and 50s. I said, look, uh, you know, I hear you say, you know, a lot of your parents are closed-minded, homophobic, judgmental. What I want you to know is when we were your age back in the 80s and early 90s, uh, we were dealing with a lot of the same things you're dealing with, but we weren't allowed to talk about them. You know, it was pretty much uh, a rule. You don't talk about mental health, gender, all of that kind of stuff at home, at school, in the community. You just don't do it. And so now they have all of you who are so courageous and honest in sharing your truth. I said, you know, it's not an excuse for them being the way you're saying, but hopefully it'll help you better understand that they, they don't, you're kind of a mystery in a way <laughs> to them because you're able to talk about these things. So I said, hopefully that is just going to help you to better understand where they're coming from. And maybe you can help ease them in now that you understand this to these discussions a little bit more, uh, because I think it's going to actually be really healing for them since they were not allowed to talk about their mental health or gender issues or anything else. So that became a really great connecting point there. But one of the things I really want to achieve with what would Gen Z do is that connection between the generations. So, you know, this book is all about older generations learning more about Gen Z, but also uh, learning how to reach out and communicate with them. And it's also about better understanding who you are at whatever stage of life you're in. But certainly when I'm sitting down with Gen Zers across the country, I also say to them and encourage them to please go out and initiate conversations with folks who are older than you. Uh, so it's really, it's a two-way street, right? Um, to better understanding each other and learning from each other. 
And people are living longer. It's not only a two-way street, two generations, but I'm a baby boomer generation, which would be maybe their grandparents. And that's a whole other generation that they are going to be connecting with when they go, you know, in college, graduate school, the workplace. Uh, and that my generation is different than your generation. Actually, as you're talking, I'm thinking that the baby boomers, we were out there. We were not homophobic. We were, you know, feminists and women's rights and, um, uh, you know, sort of, we thought, uh, setting a, a path, a good one, but it got turned around in your generation. Uh, that's a whole other topic also. Yeah. And, uh, well, it, well in yeah. your Go ahead. Well, and to your point, Gen Zers love baby boomers. You know, contrary to the whole okay boomer, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, slang that's out there, I don't even know that really many uh, Gen Zers even use that. I think it's, you know, maybe, you know, older generations use that to rib each other. But they actually love their grandparents and their grandparents' generation. And I think it's for a lot of the same reasons you just said. I think their grandparents, in many ways, better understand them than even their Gen X parents do. And so they, when I say they love, love, love their grandparents, their baby boom grandparents, they do to the point where when something bad happens to a grandparent, it can have a a paralyzing effect on these Gen Zers because they're so devastated by that. And I really do think that they find uh, a, a kindred spiritship with baby boomers. But I also think, you know, there's an element in us Xers uh, that also connects very directly to the Zers. And I think that's why, you know, I get along with them so well. And I, and I do think that they are influenced, you know, in, in positive ways by their parents as well. In fact, they, most Gen Zers love 1980s pop culture. So they love, and I think that's a gift that their parents have given to them. So all of this to say, there are so many opportunities when we set stereotypes aside and stigmas aside and what we heard on the latest, you know, in the latest headline on the news bashing these young people. When we set that aside and go in with an open mind and respect, even if we disagree and just say, we're going to have a conversation with them, um, you can walk away just with so much understanding and growth and learning. And, John, it's critical for us to do that now. I mean, as as I mentioned earlier, you know, from five to 95, you have a huge population of people from all these different generations who, again, are going to have to get along, work together if we're going to go ahead um, and evolve in a good way. Your book, just maybe we only have a few minutes left, specifically helps us to do that, right? You have chapters um, you have uh, that reflect on these, uh, not only reflect on these questions, but you hold, uh, as I understand it, an appendix of 16 activities that are applicable at home, school, work. Can you just, and the community, can you just talk about those briefly? Sure. You know, I really wanted this book to be interactive from the start. So, you know, number one, my chapters are very short because I think all of our attention spans these days are really, really short. So I, hopefully the readers will appreciate that. But at the end of each chapter, I have two reflection questions, one that you ask yourself to kind of check in to see where you're at in your thoughts on whatever the chapter was about. But then I give you a question to ask a Gen Zer at the end of each chapter that will really hope, 
really help and hopefully help to be that connection point with the Gen Zers in your life. But then, you know, this is the teacher in me. I love fun projects. Uh, and so at the end, I created a, an activity guide. There's 16 different activities that you can do with the Gen Zers in your life, whether it's in the classroom, whether it's at home over the holidays or on the weekend or whenever. Again, just to facilitate the dialogue, the communication, and the, the connection between generations so that you can all better understand each other. Be doing that, I guess, at, at, at all the holidays because that's the critical, that's the worst. They're supposed to be the best for families, but tend sometimes to end up being the worst days of the year. We've done Thanksgiving, but we've got a lot more holidays coming up that we could do these activities, as you say, at home with the different generations. Can you give us an example? Give us an example of one of them, one of the activities. Sure. So, one of my favorites is actually the DIY Gen Z time capsule. So what that is, is it is giving Gen Zers like a large manila envelope and a certain time frame, like a week, two weeks, a month, whatever that is, and tell them just every day, toss things into that time capsule. And I really encourage you as the older adult, do that as well. And then choose a point at which, you know, the time capsules are full and you sit down and you show each other what's in those time capsules. And you just have a really fun, candid conversation about what is that? Like, what's that receipt from? Or, well, what is that game? Or what is that candy wrapper? Or whatever it is, you know, you, you, you're going to learn a lot uh, about each other in, in ways that you would not otherwise learn. But there's also the Name That Generation game, where you can have a lot of fun jotting down different things that are characteristics of your generation, uh, whatever that is, and putting them into a big bowl and then just randomly pulling something out and seeing if the person who pulls it out can name what that what generation that came from. So if I, if I were to say, you know, The Breakfast Club, would they know that that's a, a really a Gen X thing and that's, you know, the, the 80s generation? Though a lot of them probably would because they love that pop culture. But again, it becomes one more really lighthearted way to initiate that conversation. And, you know, getting back to your original point about Gen Zers communicating, I have found that, again, when you sit down with them, they're great communicators. You know, when you show them that respect and you listen to them and, and you have a conversation, you can have great dialogue with them. But it really makes me wonder, and there, I am a champion of teachers. I know there are amazing teachers out there. But how often are just conversations and communication skills being practiced in the classroom? So I love to encourage teachers and uh, anyone who is with groups of Gen Zers, take time from whatever the subject is you're teaching or whatever that is, and just sit down for a half hour, an hour, and talk with them. Ask them, what's it like to be a Gen Zer? That's usually how my conversations with groups of Gen Zers are. What's it like to be a Gen Zer today? And the conversation John, you'll be happy. I'm going to be happy to hear this. Yeah. This is for, because this comes from my six-year-old grandson, whose teacher, obviously, you would say is doing the right thing. He had an assignment to interview me about what it was like when I was his age or when I was in elementary school and ask those kinds of questions. Um, and it was, it was enlightening for me and for him. He wanted to know, you know what was, what did I do after school? You know, I could ride my bike all over the neighborhood, which he can't do uh, because it's too dangerous. Uh, you know, what was the, 
scariest thing that happened to you in school? What, and as you say, what was your favorite TV show? All those kinds of things. And it is, that is an ex- excellent, um, well, you're describing one of the activities in the book, but uh, um, at least it seems maybe some teachers are beginning to do that or listening to you. Oh, I think they are uh, very much so. And really, communication skills are like anything else. The more you do it, the more opportunities you're given to do it, the better you're going to get at it. And that's true of all of us, right? (laughs) You know, you and I are very much communicators for a living. Uh, And that didn't just come out of nowhere. I mean, we have spent decades cultivating that uh, and still learning how to communicate. And so, I think when it comes to issues like you, we started this out, out with, uh, it's just another opportunity to sit down and ask these Gen Zers, why is it you have a hard time maybe communicating this or that? Uh, and maybe it's going to be a reason you didn't even think of or anticipate, uh, or maybe they're going to blow that stereotype right out of the water for you. But, you know, this is a one journey we're left. all on together. I hate together. to interrupt the conversation, but we have one minute left, and I do want you to give us a website. Yes that we can go to so that we can get more information about you and the book and what you're doing. Yes. Thank you. My website is John Schlim.com. So J O H N S C H L I M M.com. And the book is available wherever you like to buy your books. And I love Great. connecting with people on social media and all those links are on the website. Terrific. Thanks so much for being on the show today, John, John Schlim, author of, what would Gen Z do? Everything you don't know about Gen Z, but should. And you will know about it once you read his book. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone. And you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show. 